Hi, I'm Celine and I'm the founder of WeThink. I'm super excited to be here with you today for our first episode of WeTalk. The idea behind WeTalk is to talk about um, topics around wellness, environment and sustainability, which are the core of WeThink services. And let's be honest, like there are topics that are very trendy right now, but really messy. Like a lot of things are said and written around these topics. So we hope that with WeTalk, you can get a little bit more clarity. Today, we are a very special guest. Um, she's an amazing lady. She's an inspiration. Um, she's the founder of Espa that she started from scratch and turned into like a multi-million uh, company. Um, her name is Susan Amsworth and she is like the wellness queen. Like she's, very, she's an institution in the wellness industry and I'm super happy to have her. Let's welcome Sue. Hi Sue, it's really great to be with you today for this interview. You know I'm a big fan of yours. You're like my wellness mentor and you're such an inspiring and wonderful woman. So I'm super pleased to have you with me today. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure, Celine. Um, the feeling's mutual. I've watched your career over the last few years, so I'm really happy to be here. Thank you. So we're here to talk about wellness, something you know really well and you dedicated your whole life to it. And uh, today we talk about wellness a lot these days and it, the word is used like all over the place. So can we start by defining, like how do you define wellness? Well, in the first place, I'm going to start that I don't like the word wellness. And um, and I'll tell you why. And I've been fought by it by the industry. So in a way, I gave up. I, I prefer the word well-being. Mm -hmm. Wellness to me, interestingly, just first before I tell you what, what I really think it means, was a word that's been used in Europe for years and years and years. So it's not new. What's worrying me at the moment, it's being used for everything. And I think for the consumer, it's going to be very confusing. But I think if you take the, the real meaning of wellness, um, to me, it means living harmoniously and as healthfully as possible in mind, body, spirit, and also for the planet. Um, and I think now more than ever, we're going to talk about prevention. And some people, when I've talked about prevention previously, don't really understand what I mean. So they've misinterpreted what I mean. So prevention to me is preventing being ill. So in the past, um, when I talk about medical and things like that, people take it in the traditional meaning of allopathic medicine. And I don't mean that. I mean that really being the best that we can at each stage of our life. Because life is an evolving journey. And, um, you know, we change, we change mentally, physically and spiritually, and we also change our attitude. Um, so I'm very big on staying well, staying as healthy as possible at every stage of your life and preventing illness as much as we can. Right. Yeah, especially these days, we have a lot of more information on what that means and all the different elements that you can um, either integrate into your life or that you can um, 
work on to really have this preventive approach like when you think about um, food and sleep and movement and spirit spirituality these are all elements that you can integrate and that are part of creating this um, well-being or like well-living life yes and and you know as we as you know i've been talking a lot about definition of terms and definition of words um and i think one of your questions to me was about light wellness yeah. and um and it and it was i it was me who defined that for the global wellness institute that i think that we're going to have to start to think about light wellness and then much more serious wellness um, and I and I think we need to start to define those terms, you know, what is beauty, what is wellness, what is well-being, what is happiness, what is medical, what is integrative, what is complementary and all of those things. And we need to define them for the consumer because otherwise the messages in hospitality and wellness destinations that we send out are going to be com really confusing. So I suppose for me, staying healthy so if we look at the population generally that come to our resorts or who come to destination wellness or integrative wellness um, a lot of them have contraindications already huge numbers and it's something the hospitality industry hasn't recognized but if light wellness to me is something you do to maintain your health something that makes you happy, um, something you can have fun with with friends, something you can do on your own. But it's things like, let's say, it's things that don't need any diagnostics, mm. that are for the majority of the people if they're on vacation or in their everyday life. It's things that you build into your routines. Um, and it's things that you can live with. Because the other thing is, we need to have realistic goals, I think. I think sometimes we set ourselves totally unrealistic goals and that doesn't really get us anywhere. So light wellness to me is things like yoga, holistic spa treatments, going to a spa socially for fun with your girlfriends or your family or your partner or whatever it is. Nutrition in a general sense. So nutrition, understanding, quality of food, provenance of food, um, eating healthily, not obsessively, um, and all of those sorts of things that, if you like, it's an extension of what we do in the spa now. So, you know, you can take a spa fairly seriously, or you can go and have fun on a day spa, or you can go on a seven day yoga retreat. There's a lot of options, but to do those things, that's maintaining your health at every stage of your life. Can you hear that noise? Sorry, <laughs> no, I, 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 I can't hear it, don't, so don't worry. <laughs> so tell me if you can, tell me if it's interfering, because then okay. you can, we can stop and start or whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, life, um, light wellness for me is much more about prevention it's much more about maintaining a healthy lifestyle um, and being the best you can at every stage of your life when you move on to integrative wellness um, and medical integrative wellness to me does mean bringing together the the medical aspects the complementary health aspects 
and the um, general spa as we know it today, fitness, sport, all those things. Um, but you probably would go to an integrative health resort a, a little bit more seriously, or maybe when you have an issue. And it's hard for hospitality people to understand that. I've had problems describing that. So I, in a, a million years ago, I used to run a health resort, as you probably know, with doctors and nurses and Pilates and yoga and all those things before anyone had ever heard of them. And everybody came for a minimum of seven days. Now, it's the same now. We're almost going full circle. There were a lot of people who used to come on the seven-day program who maybe had been bereaved or they'd, they'd had cancer or they were getting divorced, but it was a lifestyle change. Something had happened, either they'd been sick or, or, or they had a lifestyle issue. Um, and that was why they would come because they wanted to make lifestyle change. And I think that's going to be the same now for integrative wellness. But at the same time, we have this growing, um, growing population of people who really understand wellness and want wellness now. They want to be healthy, they understand nutrition, but they want to learn more and they will build that into their lives. And if you just take me as an example, I've been going to health resorts of one kind or another, some very spiritual, some very clinical, but I've been going since my late twenties. And that, that's been an evolution for me personally. Um, it's been an evolution for me in keeping healthy and being as healthy as I can, mentally and physically. It's also been a learning process about myself because I've done some quite in-depth retreats. Um, I've done silent retreats, for instance. So I think you need different things at different times of your life and it might be the same person. So for instance, I've been away with my son to quite a serious medical, uh, well, to Shah actually in Spain we went, um, which, you, which is fun. We had fun because we were together and we don't often get that quality time. But equally, it's quite a serious um, program. And he's 54 and he wanted to do like a midlife check, if you like. So I went with him and that was great. Normally I'd go on my own to somewhere like that that was fairly strict because I think sometimes, as we all know from the pandemic now, you need time to reassess your life. And to do that is quite serious, especially if you're going to do it mentally and physically. Um, and then there's other times when you're really not well or there's something you need to address. And for instance, I like to do my medical checks at these places rather than going into a hospital environment. So I'm a great believer in functional medicine testing. And I think, so if you say to me, what's the difference between light wellness and more serious integrative wellness? I think once you get to the more serious side, then you need your doctors and your practitioners. You need your diagnostics, not in the way we talk about in allopathic medicine, but you need diagnostics of maybe doing some scanning, of doing your functional medicine tests, which is a different way of measuring intolerances, hormones, all those sorts of things. And I think people also want results. There's time in your life 
where you want to be still and you just want to do the more spiritual stuff and your breath work and all of that stuff. But there's times in your life when you really want to get results. You want to, you want to say, okay, I've gained five kilos or I'm so stressed I can't think straight. I'm, I'm not focused. I'm not productive. Whatever it is, and each individual is going to have different needs, which is a challenge, by the way, for the industry. Um, and then you will go and, and do a much more serious results-driven program. But I do think the diagnostics and the results-driven programs are going to be uh, much needed, especially after the pandemic. And especially with all these lifestyle issues that we're all identifying. So type two diabetes, one in two people predicted to have cancer born after 1970, heart disease, horrendous, sleep deprivation affecting our health. And a lot of this coming back obviously to food and as you rightly have identified a lot, sustainability and sustainability of our water, our air and our soil in particular. Um, and I think one of the reasons we're feeling these effects so strongly now, it, apart from the pandemic, um, but if I was being philosophical, I'd say the pandemic has a reason and is yes. a much higher reason. Um, is because we've neglected those things for so long. Mm -hmm. So if I think about my lifetime, I, we didn't have supermarkets when we were kids. So, you know, you went to the farm for milk and butter, and you went to the greengrocer for your vegetables, and you probably grew half of it because it wasn't available. So over that period of time of my lifetime, we've destroyed our, our soil by over-farming. We've been importing things, um, you know, traveling halfway around the world when we didn't need to, and so on and so forth. So I think the time now, I think awareness is much greater. I think people recognize the need to make change. I hope they do. I hope we come out of this with much more change. Yeah, I hope so too. And it's funny what you said about like how things change. Like I recently saw something about, um, like a wellness retreat that is doing like forest therapy or like natural therapy. And I was like, this is a walk in the forest. Like this is what I used to do with my family on Sundays, for example. And it's very um, interesting to see that these things that were like kind of normal are now like becoming, like we're becoming so um out of touch with ourselves and out of touch with nature that you need to put them as like a, a therapy to really like take conscience that yeah actually this is something that you need and that is really helpful in your for your health and your overall well-being i totally agree and i i mean it worries me because a lot of it to me is common sense um and I think the challenge now is going to be for the children. Um, and as you may or may not know, I have six grandchildren and um, teaching them, you know, the mental health issue is going to be enormous after the mm -hmm. pandemic. But what worries me is the numbers that they're giving us on children 
you know, something like four out of 10 are suffering severe anxiety and, and mental health. And I think bringing, trying to bring our children up to be resilient and to be independent um, and self-sufficient, because I, I have a philosophy which is maybe not popular, but um, I think we've overprotected a generation or two of children. And we've not allowed, them, we've not taught them to think, we've not taught them to rationalize, we've not taught them to make their own decisions, we've not taught them to be strong. And we've taught them, you know, this whole thing about dependence on the nanny state drives me crazy. But I mean, that, that makes me sound old. And I, but, you know, my, my sons, luckily, and their wives who I'm blessed with feel the same way. So, but it is a fine line. Um, but I think teaching them about um, food and cooking and foraging and all of these things, my lot will do it naturally. And so back to the common sense, but then they're privileged, aren't they? And I think we've got to think about all these people living in cities who's, who've never seen a forest or they've never swum in an ocean or they've never swum in a lake or, or being exposed to the, to those things, and I think city living, especially in poverty or um, you know where there's not opportunity, we have to be careful uh, about making general statements. Yeah, yeah, especially when the the current food system probably not gonna go to that direction, but um, is very. Um, it is not helping like it's cheaper to buy like um like a chocolate bar than to buy an apple and that's where you see that there's an there's an issue and the overall food system needs to needs to be addressed because if you are a family with um, low income you're gonna tend to go to um, buy food that has the um, that is cheaper and then it, it's like a vicious circle and then it's not good for your health and it's not good for um, the children and all that stuff that comes from there. So I think, I don't know about the whole world, but I know in England, the pandemic has made a big difference to people's shopping habits mm -hmm. and people have shopped much more local and they've looked, they've shopped in local farms and local uh, markets and things like that. And I'm really hoping that's going to carry on. Um, one of the things about integrative resorts is the microbiome. And we have so much information now on the gut health, on the microbiome and gut health. But as we also have a lot of information on the brain, Alzheimer's, early dementia with the microbiome also on the skin. Um, and I think that over the next 10 years, we're going to see a lot of change because of that data that's coming through. And then if we go back to integrative wellness and integrative resorts, those, I think those are the interesting things that can be measured and can really help you improve your quality of life, your health generally. Um, and I think the reason integrative wellness um, I think will succeed in these integrative wellness resorts that in a way combine light and serious. So you can choose in a way which route to go. And to get that right, you've got to get the design right.
But I think they will have a future because I think they're looking at people in a different way and in li at lifestyles in a different way. So even if you go on holiday and you want to have fun or you go with your girlfriends and say you go to an integrative resort and you don't want to do the serious seven day program, at least you still have the nutritionists, the biophilic gardens, the great quality food. You've got the opportunity to do yoga in classes, um, treatments, holistic treatments, whatever it is. Um, and I think because they'll take a different view than traditional hospitality, um, I think there is a, I definitely think there will be a growth area um, coming going forward. Yeah, yeah, and I already seen some, uh, like we've been contacted by some hospitals who want to do some preventive uh, medicine and really go into this um, integrative wellness space to like be able to offer a solution to their patients before they become sick. So I think this change in of mindset also like in the medical industry is going to really um, like push and like help like move forward that uh, that shift in mentalities i already see that if i if i look at my career which is about 50 years when i started they thought of me as a white witch um you know i've i've fought that battle all through my career for integrative health for taking medical and complementary together um, and it may well be, who knows, if, if it, I mean, the hospitality industry is going to drive it from one direction, <clears throat> but maybe the medical profession equally will drive it from another uh, direction. I mean, talking to the director of the Cleveland Clinic and the Mayo Clinic in the States and all those sorts of places, they're definitely looking at the um, complementary side before during and after treatment um, and I think I and also public health is not going to be able to afford um, to maintain all the all this sickness you know and people getting sick so early in their lives and then people living as long as they do without having a quality of life those are the things that we majorly need to change and I think the public health system we'll start to see the benefits. And, and we're, we're also getting the evidence now. So a lot of the things we're talking about, like nutrition, like massage, there, was, there wasn't the evidence there before, and now there is, you know. So even with cancer, um, you know, I set up the SATCC, which is the Standards Authority for Touching Cancer Care, to make sure that there was a source for the consumer and the therapist the therapist to get trained properly to deal with cancer and the consumer to find therapists and spas who could provide them with treatments. Now, years ago, you wouldn't have been able to do that. You know, people were too, there wasn't the evidence there to show the benefits. Now, nobody's making medical claims for all of those things, but it makes people feel better. And, you know, to go to a spa for, with your friends or to go to spa and have massage or to have somebody come to your home or whatever it is you know people are saying how much better they feel how it helps with pain it helps with sleep and all of those sorts of things and then if you look at um, neuroscience and you look at the whole mental side of things and the, and the positive effect it can have on recovery all these things are being proven whereas they weren't before 
And I think that's also going to play a big part going forward on the type of resorts that we design or the, the ability for people to, to get treatments of various kinds to help them through various scenarios. Um, mental health being a huge one and massage and things like that and anxiety. And my worry, for, if we talk hospitality, my worry is the hotels and resorts start to talk about wellness and they haven't got the staff or the training or the qualifications to deliver what they're talking about. So even if you take sleep as a subject or cognitive health as a subject, where does anxiety tip into something more serious? Now, hospitality can't deal with that. So that's what I mean by light wellness. If you're going to do it, do things that people understand, do things that can be deliverable and do things that people get benefit from. Don't try and go too far into the more serious things where you can do harm. If you do the wrong thing or if you, um, you, know, you don't recognize contraindications, then you're not giving the consumer the right tools, you can actually do more harm than good. Um, and so that's really what I want to avoid is that people start to really recognize the difference between maintaining your health, feeling happy, feeling relaxed, having a holiday, then erring over into more serious issues that could have a, a secondary effect. You know, when you've got doctors, then you've got, then you've got that element of safety, if you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think that there's like um, a base required to be called um, or to be allowed, let's say, to use the word wellness? Like, is having a spa sufficient to call yourself a wellness retreat or is providing yoga classes enough? Like, what's your view on that? Well, as I said earlier, I think the word wellness has been overused. And I think, and somebody asked me a question the other day, um, somebody you know, actually, which is, so I won't say who, um, is spa now defunct? Mm. Has spa moved on? And I don't, I, I think the spa industry is, has really reacted really well to the pandemic. And I think they've really, changed and being innovative and all those things and I think that the trouble with the word spa is again and it's going so we had the same challenge for 15 years with the word spa is was defining it which is the same as we're going to have now with wellness is defining it um, I think that in a way a lot of the the wellness issues we're talking about were already there in spa yeah um, you know, so if you had re really good, holistic, well-trained therapists, they were working with energy, they were working with contraindications, they were working with all sorts of things. Um, and they were working holistically in the true sense of the word, the mind, the body and the spirit, you know. And when I had SBAR, we were doing some really holistic advanced work. Now, in fairness, only about 15% of the therapists could cope with that. Mm -hmm. So this is the problem we have for the industry going forward is 
where are these people going to come from? Because, you know, there's one thing training spa therapists to, in a progressive way, to make them more and more advanced, but then you have to retain them to do that. But when it comes to osteopaths, naturopaths, nutritionists, complementary practitioners, neuroscientists, that's a whole other ball game. Um, so I think that is going to be the challenge. I think we can all talk about defining the industry and defining terminology and marketing and all of those things. But I think the challenge is going to be finding the people with those, that skill set and the advanced skill set. Now they're out there definitely and hopefully uh, what I'm looking at in the UK is I'm working with a group of people on trying to um, progress the training qualifications so that spa therapists can do modules that add to their experience so they could do nutrition and they could do sleep therapy um, and they could do advanced massage for instance and do it in a modular form once they've got all their basics in place and that's always been as I say, even when I had the company, we did a lot of advanced training and we did a lot of progressive training, postgraduate training. Um, and I do think that is going to be the way forward. It's the only way you're going to deliver what the consumer needs. And I think what the consumer needs is ahead of what the market can provide. So that's going to be a big challenge. Do you think that technology can help? Like we talk a lot about like well tech and I've seen like a machine that does um the same as reiki frequencies but without doing like a reiki treatment so there's so many things out there um yeah do you think that this can help so i think again we have to divide it out into sections so um one of the reasons everybody's looking at touchless machines and touchless therapies yes the pandemic's brought that to the front but equally it's, um, it's labor cost, mm -hmm. it's not having the skill sets. However, historically, so it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, people have always wanted touch and the power of touch is well proven, but then you're independent on a pair, you're, sorry, you're dependent on a, a pair of hands and a personality and an individual to be trained to the level we've just been talking about. However, I do think um, aesthetics is going to change. So I think the skin clinics with the aesthetics, with the lasers, with um, all their technology, I think that's a huge industry. It's here already, but I think it's going to get bigger because it's run, it's run predominantly by nurse. You know, you can, you, you can get nurses trained um, to use it and you can get advanced therapists to use it so I think if you put aesthetic skin clinic aesthetics in a box I think that has a huge future um, I think the touchless therapies have a place but I don't think they'll ever replace touch um, and I think if you do them in a in a combined environment. So if you go back to the old fashioned um, philosotherapy centers, the clinics in, in Europe and all those places, they always did have things that, would, that were independent of the therapist. 
So I think they've got a place, but I don't think they'll replace. Back to technology, interesting about it. So that's treatment technology that we just talked about a little bit. I think technology can be, I'm a bit worried about mental health and breath work and sleep with technology because it's kind of counterintuitive. However, I think for monitoring, technology is going to be very interesting. AI, I think the whole AI, um, being able to do scanning and send it to a central point, being able to monitor if you've been diagnosed in a certain way or you're trying to monitor programs and things like that. I think pre-arrival and post is going to be interesting with technology. Form filling gets a bit tedious, doesn't it? But I think, you know, if you're going to an integrative wellness resort and you're wanting to make changes in your life, then extensive medical histories and things like that are going to be necessary. Um, and I think technology has its place and I do think it, but I think that when you're trying to make change and you're going through the process of say a seven or 14 day intensive program, I think it drives you nuts. So I, I'll give you an example. I did a 14 day program at quite a clinical resort that shall remain nameless. And everything was on your phone. So your whole program was on your phone, um, which you think would be great, but actually it was quite a busy program. So I, was, I really wanted to leave my phone. I wanted to be tech free. And I wanted to leave my phone in my room. And I couldn't because my program, I was constantly checking my phone. So I, that was a negative. That was definitely a negative because I was trying to do some spiritual work as, as well as some physical work. And to do that, I think you need stillness. You need stillness. And having to look at the phone all the time to see where I was supposed to be next was a real distraction and actually was a negative. So I think it's going to evolve as well, isn't it? It's, um, it, I think we'll find these things out. And then that's a generational thing as well. You know, my grandkids all throughout, you know, they just, they're addicted. That's another addiction, isn't it? So they're saying that they're designing hairdressers where kids can be on their stuff all the time because they're so addictive that if you take it away from them, they get antsy. So yeah, that's, that's, I think managing technology is another thing we've got to teach everyone. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, technology is here to stay and we can't be without it. We have to manage it rather than it manage us. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I saw like, like um, when we spent a month in Costa Rica with my daughter, there were a lot of places where there was no internet. And like, I could see like the benefits of being like um, phone free for a few, just even a few hours or a few days to her and her uh, mental health and uh, the way she was, um, the way she was acting and interacting with me as well. And it was really great to have this, uh, this forced um, like internet detox. So so much value in that. Yeah, and I think um, there's going to be times where everything's going to crash. And I mean, I live in a very bad area, as you know, and it, it, 
we're all it's always crashing around there i'm in the middle of nowhere and the internet crashes all the time now i'm fine with it because i can remember all my telephone numbers because i'm that generation but the kids go bonkers because they can't they can't contact anybody they can't they really get antsy about it and i think it's going to be interesting because i think there's still going to be areas of the world where we won't be able to get internet access or it's going to be so, so overloaded it's going to crash there at, at various times especially in third world countries yeah we'll see that is to be seen in the future <laughs> last question because i already like a uh, overrun from like um, <laughs> what i told you but it's so interesting so what is your favorite uh, wellness or treatment what, what's your yeah your favorite Oh, Celine, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. Well, you know what? I practice most of what I preach. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm not boring. <laughs> I, I hope, I hope. You're definitely not. <laughs> um, so I've meditated, uh, you know, I'm 76. I had my first child at 21, which is a whole generational difference. And I've, I had natural childbirth. So I've meditated since then. So to me, meditation is part of my life. It's not something I have to think about. If, if I get anxious, which is rare now, um, but that's a life well lived. I've already arrived at that point. I can easily control that now with breath work and with other things. So I find it very difficult to answer that question because if you say therapy as in a treatment of some sort, and I will be killed for saying this, other than my retreats that I do, which I do, I try and do several a year, so different types, I'll always do a medical retreat. So you know, an integrative wellness retreat of some sort, I'll always do that. And then I'm really focused and I really, you know, take alcohol away, coffee away, all those things. And also look at myself objectively and I'll do all of that. So I do that once. And then I'll probably do a spiritual retreat once a year as well. But other than that, I don't want to go to spas and hotels anymore because it's been so much of my life. So it's to me staying in a five star hotel, wonderful as it is, I can't relax because I'm always I'm constantly looking and oh, what's he doing or what she doing? whatever it is. So to be in my villa or to be in my home and have somebody come to me is my ultimate treat, really. And so that's what I do. So in my home in England. I have a salt pool and I have a hot pool and I have a gym, uh, which is a yoga gym. And I have a treatment room and a sauna. And to be there and not have to travel and to have somebody come to me is just the best thing in the world. And then here in Tenerife where I have my villa, same thing, you know, I hardly go anywhere. I'll go to the local restaurants because I love going there, but. I don't think I'm ever going to travel again like I did before. And I think that's going to apply to a lot of people. I'll travel because I have to, but I won't do, I'll do as little as possible. Yeah, good.
<laughs> and I, re I will remember to bring my swimming costume next time I'm coming to your place. <laughs> you don't need a swimming costume. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, Sue. It was a, it was a great pleasure. I, I love talking with you anyway, so it's uh, always nice. And uh, it was super interesting. So thank you so much. It's my pleasure, Celine. You enjoy life and I'll hopefully see you soon. Yeah, hopefully. Thank you so okay. much. Bye.